the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Trying to do a show, I think, kind of dedicated to getting you dragging and screaming towards retirement. I feel a little bit of a sore throat coming on, so this might be an interesting week. Big seminar coming up at the end of the week in San Jose at the Rotary Center, which is a really cool building. Uh, Great place to get lunch or breakfast. Good part of town. Check it out. Uh, Come see CFP myself and uh, CFP Chad Berger and myself this weekend in San Jose. So stock markets open lower. This was one of those uh, weekends where I saw the headline. I'm like, oh, no, I really have to know what happened there. There was a strike, a military-style strike on a refinery. I don't know all the details. In Saudi Arabia, at Saudi Aramco plant, which is like, um, it's kind of like the it's state-owned Exxon uh, times five. So... Or more, I don't know. I haven't looked at the valuations yet, but uh, so there was a strike there. So the geopolitical backdrop became very Tom Clancy because drones were used, and uh, I heard you know the, the pundits this morning talking. You know, well, if you can use a drone to strike, you know, oil plant, why not put solar power on it and you can have it circle the globe and whenever it wants to, it can strike the U.S. whenever they're not expecting it. So that's kind of the way we went, right? So drone attacks of the weekend in oil facilities um, removed probably about 6 million barrels per day from production. Um, today, Donald Trump said, we'll open strategic reserves if we have to. It seems a little early for that, but uh, I don't know. My geopolitical information not as good as it should be. <laughs> a little dusty, a little rusty. Um, financials are going to be a focal point all week this week. So you get a FOMC policy decision. And what I've been noticing after the Federal Reserve... Uh, releases whether they're going to raise interest rates, lower interest rates. I, I've been noticing that a lot more, a lot more Wall Street focus, like a laser, on um, uh, the banks. So it's almost like everyone's like, are they going to be winners or are they going to be losers? And there's kind of some drama to it. Um, Dow was falling for the first time, ultimately, in nine days, and is obviously tied towards oil, crude oil spikes, the most in history. After Saudi Arabia attacks last uh, um, became a, a, a lasting problem. So uh, this is one of those things that if you were to say maybe Tuesday or Wednesday last week, markets are moving higher. Do you think there's a chance that we take out all-time market highs? I, I would have been, yeah. But that's a little bit of the um, you know, side effects, so to speak. So airlines, retailers, and cruise ships. When you see a military strike in the Middle East, that doesn't go well. So much oil, right? And then Trump will say, well, we've freed America on oil independence. And people are like, well, we still don't want the oil fields in Saudi Arabia 
should be burning, so to speak. Um, but who buys oil? So it's going to start costing a lot more. So and obviously the big players would be airlines, uh, cruise ships. Um, they buy and consume a lot of oil. So oil prices are spiking up as much as one point in time. I was watching overnight. It was about 19%. Again, you can never, ever predict a, a military strike. So when you get one on Wall Street, you kind of like get excited and like, what can we figure out about this? Uh, American Airlines down, Delta Airlines down, United Airlines down, Southwest Airlines down, Alaska Air down. Those are the five major airlines. Um, clearly, higher fuel serves as a healthy reminder of the volatility of the input into the business model. Um, so what I'm basically throwing down there is what areas would you potentially take advantage of? What's, let's say the military strikes one and done. Let's say it doesn't happen again for years. Or start thinking of it this way. Who's going to financially benefit? Defense companies. Because I, I think the argument that I heard, and this was kind of funny, was that businesses will have to have radar systems. Everyone's going to have to have radar systems. Because if a drone can strike from a nuclear position uh, tied towards solar power, whoa, the world's going to end, right? So this all kind of plays out of this. Cruise ships. I can't... Oh. I've heard too many horror stories, I, and that's so unfair because they obviously um, the number of uh, trips they sail around the world. You only hear the bad ones, and it's not that many, right? So, Carnival Cruises lines you can invest in in Royal Caribbean, uh, higher oil. I don't know. I think I'd rather play the airlines. If the airlines dip a little bit more, I think that becomes a little bit more attractive. So, a lot of people are factoring in the return of the uh, Boeing plane next year. Uh, retailers like L Brands, Walmart, Dollar General, uh, they also trade lower at this point in time. So uh, oil prices are going to affect gasoline prices. Gasoline prices are going to affect your end-of-the-month budget. The end-of-the-month budget is do you go out and shop, do you go out and go to restaurants, how do you use it on those levels? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, we work is that IPO that I don't want anything to do with because when they do ultimately play out, you're going to see drama on the upside, drama on the downside. Uh, I don't much care for that, but we work as a business that, how do you put it? Uh, you may know someone who comes up with an idea to start a company and he wants an office environment sometimes, but not all the time. So you basically sublease part of someone else's bigger lease. That's the basic idea on WeWork and the financial media is on to the fact that the valuation has fallen from about 45 to 50 billion down to about maybe 15 billion um, before it's come public and that's actually a really good thing so that the people who do invest in it and if they lose money it's going to be a smaller you know percentage per se but WeWork's going under the public you know it's coming public and the company's CEO he's one of those controversial people and I don't get a good vibe and I'm only looking at pictures. I'm looking at a couple uh, interviews. I'm taking a look at some of the videos that he's done with uh, CNBC and others. But I don't get a good vibe, and I think it's important. So uh, a guy named Scott Galloway, he's a New York professor uh, in NYU University, and he's a media guy, and he's got a book coming out, kind of thing. So he tends to like go and say more dramatic things, but I've always liked his content. He said the governance uh, changes at the company would be stage four cancer. <laughs> When you're talking about the health of a company and you're tying it to stage four cancer, 
things are not going well in the public media. So big seminar coming up, two of them this weekend at uh, in San Jose. Um, looking at the details so I say them correctly. Uh, 9.30 to 11. There's going to be two events. One's going to be for more wealth accumulation. One's going to be for more wealth preservation in the afternoon from 1 to 3. Uh, way better if you listen to the commercials and kind of grasp uh, the information there. Uh, investing beyond the 401k is in the morning. That's one that hits a lot of people because in the Bay Area, is investing in maxing out your 401k enough? Depends on when you start. So, in my opinion, it depends on what you, where you want to end up. So we're going to be doing a couple events. Uh, one is for more wealth accumulators. One's for more wealth preservers. I always find it funny when people sign up for both. Uh, but you can go to robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com, and sign up right here, right now. So the big story is uh, Brent crude oil spikes the most in history. That's a pretty shocking headline. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget to sign up for the event at Rob Black Show. Use code radio25 to get in for free. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, I'd love for you to come out Saturday in San Jose doing a big event uh, with CFP Chad Burton. You can find out about it more that it's uh, kind of a two-parter. So one in the morning, hours, 9.30, 11.30, and one in the afternoon, 1 to 3. Uh, but my voice is really fried right now, so let's bring on CFP Chad Burton, talk a little financial planning to plug the seminar. Now. Certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. He joins the show on a regular basis. He's with NewFocusFinancial.com. It's NewFocusFinancial.com. One of the areas that I like to talk about are some of the basics. Um, I think the number one thing that you have to do when thinking about retirement, Chad, is set some priorities. You know, when you're in your 20s, like you just want to go to the Great Wall of China, you want to meet hot chicks. But you have to have grander priorities than that, like a vacation home, a retirement income. Yeah, it's it, well, and the thing that you have to realize too is that priorities change based on different phases of your life. Um, so priorities aren't static. Um, you have to have somebody helping you make sure that your priorities are realistic, though. Okay. Um, you know, for example, the, the the common scenario that you and I see is. Um, younger parents or single parents where they, they, they talk about their main priority is sending their kids to college. And really, it should be making sure that you're going to eventually someday be able to retire. Because there's other ways we can help kids get through college, whether it's loans or whatever it may be. But your early years in terms of saving and plugging enough money away in your 20s and 30s so that it's there to grow for the next 40 years is extremely important. So whenever anybody comes in, I, we have them write down um, their top three financial concerns at this time. And it, it will change based on your age, based on your family dynamics and how your family changes, whether it's you just got married, you just had children, you're empty nesters, you just got a divorce, priorities change. Yeah, you should really focus on the big ticket, long range plans. You know, that's where the big costs come in, you know, weddings, retirement, um, college costs, retirement homes, um, 
kind of created a bucket list of high-end priorities versus low-end priorities. Um, what are some of your bucket lists as far as priorities go and things you have to fund in your lifetime? Um, you know, something that I need to fund is, is more travel since I started in this business so early um, and then had kids, three children. Um, I invest very globally, but I, I, I really want to go see personally a lot of the places that I invest in that I depend on some of the really good managers to, to know really, really well. But yeah, like you want to go to Asia? Yeah, I would like to I would like to go to a lot of different places. Yeah. However, I'm going to save that till later in life because my big priorities right now are to do things that my body's still able to do, like snowboard with my kids and do all the stuff that I know my knees are going to be wrecked by the time I'm 50 from yeah. all the stuff that you, you've seen me do. So I'll travel then. I'll be around in my little scooter on the wall of China. On the wall of China. <laughs> the Great Wall of China. I hear it's pretty great. Yes, I hear it's great as well. It's kind of interesting because like, I have no interest in Asia just because I'm not a fish guy. And I know you could probably get non-fish meals in Asia. Just they're heavily relying on fish. Therefore, I have a bias that I don't really want to go to Asia. Okay. Well, I know. Odd, right? It's not one of your priorities. So one of my priorities is um, a retirement home. Um, I want comfort. I don't want on Golden Pond, but I want mm-hmm. you know to slow things down because I've worked pretty hard in my 20s and 30s. So when I hit my 50s and 60s, I kind of want to slow things down. Yeah. And... You know, people, sometimes when you ask them what their priorities are, and the first one they say, I want to retire by 65, and then you go through their other priorities, whether it's a vacation home, an RV, a home remodel, um, buying a specific new car, and that's something that people forget to leave out of their financial plan, is is they're going to need a new car every 10 years on average. Um, and so those types of cash flow items, weddings, helping grandkids with college, those have to be projected out in your long-term cash flow analysis so that you can see where that money's going to come from. And when you sell stocks to pay for those items or when you pull money out of your IRAs to pay for those items, that also is going to create a bit of a tax issue at those times. And so that all has to be figured in to say, do I have enough to really retire? Or is it better to say, maybe I'll work another two years or maybe five years part-time so that I can be retired plus achieve these other goals? Some of my priorities are amass enough wealth so that I could retire comfortably. Um, pay for kids that college education is lower. It's not as high as enough. You know, I'm more about the wealth because if you have wealth, if you have a 401k that's got a lot of money in it, you can always pay for the kids' college that way. I want to buy a house. I want to get out of debt. You know, when you have priorities, write them down because then your next step is to say, how much debt do I have? How long will it take me to get it? Um, if I want to buy a house, what size house do I want to buy? How much is it going to cost? You got to write down your priorities. You just can't have them in your head so that you know you're comfortable. You have to write them down and, and get real with it, right. as Doctor Phil would say. Certain priorities will conflict with each other. In other words, you might say, "Mike, I want to invest aggressively and go as much growth as possible, but in two years I need to put a down payment on a house." Those two things conflict because you can't invest super aggressive with funds that you're going to need in two years. It just it, those two things won't work together. You know, so there's doc- a happy medium. Somewhere. You know, Dr. Phil has a degree in physiology. <laughs> he's not a therapist. He's not. He's not any of that stuff. So I don't know. It, just, it shows you how bogus you could be and get by as a bogus sham in your life. Yeah, that's that's the case. I mean, just look at Lance Armstrong. Oh, yeah. Cheating pays, though, is what I learned. <laughs> He's worth a quarter of a hey, billion kids, dollars. Hey, kids, the lesson of this segment is... Performance-enhancing drugs will take you far in your career. Until you get caught. <laughs> yeah, he was such... Uh, I'm not even going to go into his little crocodile tear moments in his life. Um, what was bad about him is how many people that he hurt 
covering up his lies. It's you know okay to lie. He was? Yeah, he was just a nasty, mean, vile person. Speaking of nasty, mean, vile persons, <laughs> CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, but he, again, is the one, the only Chad Burton. You can email him, chad at chadburton.com. And you can also meet Chad. I'm struggling with my voice today, so I'm going to lean a little bit extra on Chad here and there. But uh, you can meet him in person live. Coming up at the Wealth Building Retirement Planning Seminars, there's two of them this Saturday in San Jose, 88 South 4th Street. I don't like saying the address. Another say the Rotary Center, so that's easier for you to Google and find on your own. But you can sign up for the events at robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. And again, one's going to be in the morning, one's going to be in the afternoon. I think that's either the second to the last seminar or the last seminar of the year. So goes to show you, make sure you uh, max out your 401k So, because the year goes by fast. Looking at the calendar and, yeah, Halloween obviously landed, but when will the Christmas decorations be pulled out, right? One of the people in media that I like that I do want to push towards you... Um, I, I like the website like Nerd Wallet and Bankrate, and there's a, a good financial writer. Who do, I like some conservativeness to the writing, you know, uh, not like politically conservative, fiscally, so to speak. But uh, her name's Liz Weston, so I think she does a nice job of like here are the six biggest mistakes you can make. I'm okay with lists like that. If they motivate you and stimulate you. That's good. Anyway, big event coming up this Saturday. Uh, I gotta take a day off to rest my voice. Wealth Building Retirement Planning Seminars in San Jose. Sign up at Rob Black Show. Use code Radio25 to get in for free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. It's seminar week coming up at the end of the week. Saturday, a rare Saturday event for CFP Chad Burton and myself, but um, we're going to be doing two events. It's way too long-winded to explain. One's for investing in beyond your 401k. While you're on the younger side, the other one in the afternoon is retirement income tax planning. A lot of information, a lot of content. You can sign up at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Joining me now. Well, I always like saying that. Joining me now. And my next guest needs no introduction. <laughs> CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Chad? Well, I hope I sound a little better than you. I'm, I'm sorry about your energy today. I hope you're better. It's, not the, it's like the voice. The, yeah, I know, right? So I think it's uh, time to take a day off and do some uh, warm drinks or something like that. So yeah. I'm going to let you carry this segment. Big event coming up on Saturday. What are you most looking forward to at this point? Well, I've got just some random topics to go over with you today just because I was looking at what I'm going to talk about the next two days on the 6 a.m. show. But, ah, you know, one of is is that we've been seeing this slight rotation from growth or momentum stocks back over to value-oriented stock funds. Um, okay. it, it, this is a situation where growth investing really for the last decade has outperformed value investing. And I explained a lot on the show last week on, on really what that is. Um, there's only been, like, in the last decade, like, two years where value outperformed growth. And so that's a, that's a big spread, right? And 
it's kind of more explainable on small cap value. I mean, if you look at a small cap value fund versus a small cap growth fund, small cap growth looks expensive, where small cap value looks really cheap, and it's because it's a little more explainable on small cap value. When interest rates are decreasing on the 10-year Treasury, um, that's a headwind to small cap value funds. And when manufacturing is decreasing, like the ISM manufacturing index, that's a headwind. And that, that's been because of the trade issues. So I think when interest rates stop decreasing and the trade war is over, small cap value is going to really rally. It's got a lot of industrial weighting, financial weighting in those small cap value funds. But the large cap value one could be kind of a flaw in how ETFs, Rob, are investing in value companies, what is perceived as value, because a lot of them have a very low tech exposure. And there's an interesting article if people are looking at you know growth versus value that Forbes has has done a couple of series on that price to book is used by a lot of these ETFs or index funds that look at, say, the Russell and go into the value. And price to book kind of might be a little flawed when it comes to tech investing. So if somebody's going to go, I want to switch over to value, they might be almost too low in technology. So that's one of the things that I wanted to point out. And it does also make sense that growth has outperformed value in a time where we've gone through massive stimulus. Yeah. We're still at historically low interest rates, and the Feds are going to lower more, and that tends to be good for growth anyway. So that's that's kind of one of the topics that I was looking at today. Um, and you also, another you also one, sent over an, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you, you sent over an article uh, regarding self-employed retirement savings statistics from a guy named Christopher Robbins, and long story short, uh, a lot of the numbers in it were Kind of, uh, I want to say myths. Is that uh, fair? Even though it's kind of a, a, a kind of a vague one to look into it that way. But uh, what do we need to know about that? Um, yeah, it's basically that when they did a study, you know, there's articles every day on different studies, and they tend to be like 2,500 people that they study, and then all of a sudden they make a wide blanket statement on the entire United States of America. But this study showed that less than 30% of self-employed people in multi-person firms, so in other words, you're a contractor kind of working for somebody else beginning to 1099, or 13% of people that are simply self-employed single-person firms, only 13% of those people are participating in some sort of a retirement plan. Um, and that's somewhat scary, but also somewhat explainable, because Number one, a lot of people go into the world of self-employment, and they think in terms of sales, like how much sales can I, how much revenue can I create with my business? And they really don't have a clue on how a profit and loss statement works. That oh yeah, you have all these expenses, and then you have what your net income is. And when you go self-employed, I love it when people do it, but they have to do it with a plan because you got to make about thirty percent more than when you're working for somebody in order to just break even because you're paying both halves of FICA now as a self-employed person. You don't have any benefits. You have to buy them all on your own. And so you have to go with a clear plan. And there's like there's cycles to people that go self-employed. The first cycle is, I just got to get this up and running. I'm bootstrapping. I'm barely making ends meet. And then they get to a point where the income is coming in. They start to either pay down debt or still look at their businesses as if, hey, this is the fastest growing asset I'm investing in. It's growing faster than the stock market, so I'm going to continue to invest and grow my business, and then they eventually pay off some debt and get to the point of income where they're, you know, feel successful, and they start doing major catch-up in things like 
individual 401k plans, defined benefit plans. So it's kind of a cycle for the self-employed versus if you go to work for somebody right out of college, you're saving you know, 10% of pay, you're getting a, a match from your employer, 4 to 6%, and you're off and running. But self-employed is a whole different ballgame, a whole different style of planning. And, Rob, another reason, too, for self-employed people that might be qualifying for this 20% new corporate deduction on your net income, a lot of people are looking at it saying, okay, for every dollar that I put into a profit-sharing plan or a SEP contribution, that dollar isn't going to give me that 20% deduction. So I might get a federal tax deduction, but I might lose a 20% deduction on the corporate side. So part of it could be also how complicated this new tax package is, especially when it comes to self-employed that are qualifying for that uh, new deduction. All good stuff, and people can learn more about you at newfocusfinancial.com, and they can also look at the seminars coming up this weekend in San Jose. You can sign up using the code RADIO25. Get um, more information at newfocusfinancial.com. Now, Chad, one thing that sometimes you don't have to save a lot of money. Sometimes you don't have to invest a lot of money. Sometimes you don't have to earn a lot of money. But money's kind of interesting at that level. But the financial missteps people make, um, the, the, the big regrets that they have, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so I know there was crazy because there's a lot of great articles that came out towards last week, end of last week, and then over the weekend. And one of them is Joyce Blay did this article on a survey essentially where Americans seem to regret spending on just about everything. Well, just about everything. So it's kind of sad. It's that buyer's remorse, I guess. But um, when the survey on the biggest financial regret was taking on credit card debt, 59% of the people had answered that, not saving enough, 47% of the people, overspending on non-essentials, that's 34%. I think that's going to continue because a lot of the problem, Rob, has been eating out. You know, For a lot of Americans, they overspend on eating out. And now with Postmates and Uber Eats and all that kind of stuff, it's so easy to go way over budget. Last week, I think we did Postmates three times, just being busy, right? And, that's, and it was ridiculous, too much money. Um, and then not paying off as much debt, wishing they would invest more. That was like 14%. I've seen a lot of uh, regretted purchases on second homes in my career where, you know, they'll just think, oh, real estate's such a great investment, and so I'm going to go ahead and get this purchase, the second home where I like to go. They find they don't go as much. They find it's a negative cash flow item between property taxes and maintenance and insurance. Um, so unless... You know, you you really have a ton of assets, way more than you need for retirement, or unless you're going to, you know, rent out and create some positive cash flow from that second home, a lot of times people end up regretting it. They they really do, more than they enjoy it. So, very, very careful. Another one lately is if people really analyze the actual cash flow on rental properties, they would stop buying some right now. And this is really important to do a detailed analysis on each of your properties. If you're trying to get towards retirement and you're low on liquid assets but high on rental properties, analyzing each property, knowing which one to target to sell to create more liquidity in your life is is pretty important. Um, And stop buying cash flow properties that are cash flowing at like 2%. It just blows my mind people are doing that right now. Yeah, and uh, some people love doing it, which is the fantastic part about the Bay Area. They're like they're happy doing it, and like you try to explain the math, and they they get a little tempered with you, so to speak. Um, 
Let's talk about clients and, you know, what you see as far as mistakes that people make that you kind of want to help other people steer clear from. Uh, well, some of it is just too good to be true. Um, that's that's one that somebody will you'll find out about a, an investment or something that somebody did after the fact, and it's because the sales pitch was really good and they're promising ridiculous returns. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Somebody that's really on your side that's acting as a fiduciary and helping you get towards retirement is going to temper your expectations. They're going to they're gonna make sure you're calmer when the markets are crazy and talk to you about history and, and that, yeah, I mean, we go through recessions, we go through corrections, but it comes back. Or when somebody is trying to say, oh, this is a you know 8 to 12% rate of return using guarantees and stuff like that, that's when you know you should be telling that person to take a hike. Um, so a lot of it just has to do with going outside what has worked before to and, and believing the sales pitch. You've got to be careful of believing the sales pitch. I like the phrase that you just used, tell a guy to take a hike. It sounds very 1950s of you all. Um, <laughs> I'll start I digress. Tell and swell. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of where I was going with that. And I actually like it. It's good. It's endearing. Anyway, you can find uh, CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. While you're there, there's a lot of good resources. There's also a place where you can sign up for the event coming up in San Jose uh, this Saturday. It's going to be two events, two good events. Uh, learn more at newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. A lot of people talk about a potential. They're talking about the Peloton IPO coming and the WeWork IPO coming. I know that's a thing right now, and one of the things that you can do is, if you ever have an urge to invest in an IPO, read the prospectus, read the um, the information that companies will have to give you legally in that process. For instance, if you read the Peloton papers on their filing for IPO, you'll see that they've got like a music publisher issue that Taylor Tay Tay <laughs> wants a little more do re me. Oh, Tay-Tay. Don't you love it when a celebrity tries to patent something like their their pet name, Tay-Tay? Funny. Kind of uh, keeping our courts all clogged up. But uh, Peloton's IPO has very little interest for me. So learn. Because everyone's like, well, maybe they become the apple of workout equipment. Um, and maybe they don't. So very expensive stuff. And one thing I know about Americans is if you look back from through the years and how many products have been sold to us in infomercials about flattening our bellies. Uh, a lot of exercise trends do not stick around for long. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. There are situations that I can't explain, and you have to you know, brace yourself for them as investors. But like OxyContin, uh, there's a company publicly traded, Purdue Pharma, and they filed for bankruptcy to wipe out 2,000 lawsuits. Um, it's just like the... I keep wanting to say missile strikes, but that's wrong. The drone strikes or drone missiles, maybe drone suicide bombers. Um, I've heard all sorts on this uh, story. But um, the speed of the Saudi oil recovery is once again showing you how strong they are. But um, it, it stinks when a company like an OxyContin gets into a 
pharmaceutical lawsuit uh, because the numbers are so big. And uh, as an investor, there's not a lot left standing. So the Peloton IPO, when you read the filings, when you read it, okay, this is what I would say. I can look at a financial statement of someone like a Philip Morris and give it an A, B, C, or D. You should be able to look at financial statements and kind of grade a company on, on strength. Like, do they have cash? Do they have debt? What's their debt equity? Um, some companies just won't make the cut, and some people just won't ultimately see it. Apple is reporting strong orders for their iPhone 11. iPhone 11. These kind of stories you got to take a, with a little grain of salt more often than not. But when you actually read who the analyst inside of it is, it's Min Chu Ko. Uh, she's the Apple leading analyst, and she's saying China's doing some pretty good demand for the iPhone 11. Um, I don't know. So I think you own Apple at this point in time as a big brand company and not necessarily as a um, growth. <laughs> is that fair to say, the iPhone 11? So, and... Uh, they're, they're basically a camera company is what the Wall Street is trying to uh, pin them into. Crude oil spikes, and as crude oil spikes um, the most in history, when you see a headline like that, oil spikes hit every part of our economy. Um, I was reading a report this weekend about how grocery stores would run out of food in the United States if truckers went on strike for just three days. So... Think about the price of oil and the price of trucking, and you start seeing stories in almost every little thing, right? Um, and you can ultimately um, start tying together the, the stories inside your investment policy, which is kind of an interesting thing to bring up because I was just talking to a company that had an investment policy committee of 10, and what's pretty cool about it is they were thinking long-term enough that the IPC... Um, can get bullied. Have you ever been with a group of like three or four people at lunch? And they're like, well, what stock are you buying? And someone's like Google or XYZ. And that one's, and they, you get attacked on it. So if you're a company managing other people's money, you have to have kind of a independent voice in the direction of the company's investment policy. I was, I was kind of fascinated because one of the things they do is they, 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 you know, ultimately implement that in silent votes. So, some people would like the New York approach where you scream, you know, this is why I'm right. Some people want the silent vote approach. So the Dow falls 150 points on fears of spiking oil. Now, if everything calms down, oil will come back down. If it, that's where you start getting that geopolitical risk. And there is no way to analyze that in something that I'm comfortable with, like going, oh, yeah, this, this person's the best. I wish it worked like that. Uh, but geopolitical risk, I mean, the risk of the markets, like currency risks, inflation risks, headline media risks, a CEO loses his mind, gets on bell tower, threatens to turn uh, the Muppets into a network TV show kind of thing. Uh, there's different types of risks, and you have to like, feel comfortable. There's market timing risk. Um, everything with blue skies on 9-10. Uh, you know, everything was cruising right along. So... And then geopolitical event happens. I'd say Russia, but I'll keep my politics really quiet right now. So wealth building and retirement planning seminar this weekend, Saturday, Saturday, September 21 at the Rotary Summit Center. 
You can sign up for the event at Rob Black Show. Use code RADIO25, Rob Black Show. Investing beyond the 401k. We get a lot of requests, Chad and I do, to talk about things. Uh, I've maxed out my money. My kids are in college. Uh, now that I've maxed out my 401k, what's next up? And some of these things Chad loves talking about because they're certainly financial planning you know, nerd stuff, like backdoor Roth. But it was actually kind of sweet. So one of my listeners sent me that kind email the other day talking about my craziness and tying all together in investment. Very kind words. Um, but you can really kind of, you know, I have no interest in talking mega Roth 401ks. Anyway, um, you can learn more about the events at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Use the code radio25 when you're there to sign up for the events. Wave the fee, but again, listen to commercials a lot there right now, as well as newfocusfinancial.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.